Want to get the edge in your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle delved deeper into the data behind all of the Premier League matches every single game week. We combine Pinnacle's sharp betting markets with the game's latest analytical metrics to help you find value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. Game week 8 in the Premier League, and this is EPL Insights powered by Pinnacle. Gareth Wheeler, hey, take off my glasses here for a second. That's not Jake Osgathorpe over there. Andrew Beasley stepping up and stepping in for Jake, who's taking a well-deserved family vacation. Welcome back to the podcast, Andrew. How have things been for you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. And um, I probably, I think I had my best week of the season um, last weekend with my picks that I do for uh, for another website. So that's really good in profit for the season. That's good at this stage. So hopefully more of the same this week. But obviously, last week um, most of my picks were based on goals and not results, and that was that was just as well in in light of sort of how a lot of the games went. Uh, Andrew, so you're coming in hot. You're setting the bar <laughs> exceptionally high heading into this week, and. After a game week six, where I don't think I'll ever be able to come out with a week like that again, nine games, nine profitable, um, nine profitable matches for me. Game week seven provided some challenges. I think on the balance of it, there was some profit to be made if you were on the right side of the equation because there was a lot of surprises. Both of the Manchester clubs lost for the first time on the same day in ten years. City going to the Molyneux, losing two one to Wolves. United after. Um, easily taking care of Crystal Palace at the Carabao Cup. They lost at Old Trafford, a place that used to be a, fo- a fortress, not so much these days. Controversy in Liverpool losing to Spurs. Brighton absolutely destroyed 6-1 to Aston Villa. Luton Town coming away with their first Premier League victory. And Chelsea actually scored a goal. Actually, they scored twice after being mocked by Domino's Pizza ahead of that match in the West London Derby against Fulham. Is there anything that in particular that stood out to you in terms of the betting market? I know your beloved Liverpool um, and, and, the, and, and VAR gone wrong yet again. That's been the story that's been dominating the airwaves of the week. Um, I wonder if it's that or something else that has caught your eye. I mean, obviously, that was the most controversial game of the weekend, wasn't it? I don't think we need to sort of uh, go over it uh, too much because obviously the the conversations are going on continually, basically, since it happened. Um, I personally thought Liverpool played really well. Very unfortunate not to take something from the game. I think if I were a you know, Tottenham supporter, I'd be obviously pleased with the points, but I think we pretty disappointed with their performance, particularly against um, 10 men and then nine men. I mean, I think it says a lot. Liverpool created more XG with nine men than Tottenham did when it was 11 against 11. So um, that doesn't sort of paint their efforts in a, in a good light. Um, Manchester City as well. I mean, I don't think many people were expecting them to, to lose at Wolves. I certainly wasn't. I had both teams to score and over 2.5 goals thinking, you know, Man City probably win 3-1, something like that. The bet comes in, but of course it's it's two one to Wolves. Um, interesting thing there. Um, Manchester City didn't have any um, big chances as defined by Opta. Yeah. It's rare for them to do that. I mean, it, I think it happened twice in the whole of last season, once each um, in each of the three seasons before that, and it's already happened twice this season. Wow. Now, this doesn't mean all that much in the grand scheme of things, but it's something to watch for. Is that are they having problems? generating these good chances without um, De Bruyne to set them up, without Rodri and everything he brings to the side. 
Um, and obviously we'll get on to Arsenal versus Manchester City, but it, it's not a game that Manchester City want to be going into without these players and having dried up a little bit in the uh, in the attack. I think Haaland only had one shot at Wolves and um, history shows if he only has one shot, then they don't tend to do very well. That happened when they lost to Tottenham. That happened when they lost to Brentford last season. So um, I think that was probably the most interesting um, result. I mean, obviously you mentioned Manchester United with them. I mean, I didn't see the whole game, I must say, but I mean, it sort of just feels like more of the same with, with United. You're just never really sure what you're going to get. And, um, you know, they've got a lot of, of injuries and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, as I say, you're not really sure what you're going to get. And, and that's playing on my mind ahead of this week as well. But we'll, we'll get on to that. We'll dip into some of the, the, the teams and your thoughts on them as we make our picks in our feature five. We'll go rapid fire for the final five games of the weekend. Keep in mind an international weekend or uh, window is ahead of us as well. Just to show you some of the shock results this week and some of the numbers where things closed on Pinnacle. Palace to win at Old Trafford closed at plus 496. That's an implied win probability of just 16.8. Wolves closed at a whopping plus 761, an 11.6 implied probability. Luton Town to beat Everton. Remember, Everton was coming off a Carabao Cup win. Um, it looked like they'd kind of turned the corner. Uh, not so much. They closed at plus 470, a 17.5% win probability. Spurs closed at plus 196. Chelsea to win closed at plus 122, a 45% uh, implied probability, and they ended up scoring two goals in the process there. We'll get to some of the totals when it comes to the shocking uh, Brighton performance against Villa, what that might mean, uh, for the, more into, in terms of the Manchester clubs and all that in due course. I just wonder if you look at the table, and Jake and I out of the gate this season, we're kind of debating about how we felt this season would go. And Jake thought that, you know, non-World Cup year, the cream would rise to the top, the big clubs would be the ones that were fighting it out, and there'd be much more separation between them and the rest of the pack. So far through seven weeks, that isn't necessarily how it's been working out. Yes, City still lead the table, uh, edging out Spurs and Arsenal and Liverpool at this time. But Aston Villa and Brighton have put themselves right in the mix, with West Ham and Newcastle not far behind either. Is there something that stands out to you about this, the way that this season's played out thus far, Andrew, whether it be in terms of performance or trends that you're seeing across the board? Yeah, I think I was of sort of similar mind to Jake. I was expecting a bit of a reset and the and the bigger teams taking charge again. I mean, it certainly um, was sort of expecting Tottenham and Liverpool to improve on last season, and they have done. I must admit, I did also think that that Chelsea would improve um, more quickly than that than they have. I mean, assuming that they will, but um, I thought they could be in the mix for the for the top four. But that's obviously looking pretty unlikely at this stage. And uh, Manchester United, again, I, I wasn't expecting them to fall away particularly, but as we say, you just don't know quite what you're going to get from them. I mean, with regards to Aston Villa and Brighton, you look at them and you think, well, they were very good last season. It isn't that much of a surprise that they are up there again. You always have to wonder with the slightly smaller clubs, can they last the distance? I think Brighton have the process to suggest that they can. I think they were third best on expected goals last season, if I remember rightly. They were certainly um, up there. So, so it isn't a surprise that they are that they are continuing to do well. I suppose Newcastle are a slightly random factor in that they were a top four side last season when they weren't expected to be. And obviously now they're, they're sort of um, having to deal with Champions League football as well. Um, obviously after a sticky start, they've, uh, they've won their last three in the league. I think they're 
they're probably going to have a similar season to last year in that they will beat most of the teams you would expect them to beat, possibly struggle against some of the um, top sides once again. But, um, I mean, as we as we look now, I mean, the top four of Manchester City, Tottenham, Arsenal and Liverpool, I don't think anyone would be too surprised if that was the top four at the end of the season, possibly a different order from, from what they're in now. Um, but I think they're all looking very capable of, of lasting the distance and taking those top four spots, even at, even at this early stage. Uh, City, obviously, with the setback last week, in terms of the future markets on Pinnacle, City still the favorite, odds on at minus 195. Then you have Arsenal and Liverpool at plus 550. I believe for, I locked in a Liverpool to win the title preseason. I think it was around plus 800. I'll, I'll, I'll look that up and I'll make sure I deliver what that was. So the odds have dropped to a certain degree. Spurs have now come into the picture at plus 1500. Um, is City still the team to beat in your eyes, Andrew? Nothing's changed on that front? I mean, I think they have to be based on their record, really. And obviously, De Bruyne is going to be out for a little while longer. Whilst Rodri is a huge miss this weekend, you know, he will be back soon enough. Um, so, yeah, you you have to have them as the favourites. There's, there's no way around that. I mean, I don't think they're infallible, as, as Wolves have proven. But it's also the thing of, well, Manchester City just won't drop that many points. Can Arsenal or Liverpool or add a push Tottenham? I don't think so. But, you know, next in line, can they go on such a long winning run when Manchester City sort of routinely win, you know, 13, 14, 15 games in a row in the second half of the season. And if De Bruyne's coming back having had a rest, you've got to think there's a chance City could do something like that again. So um, I think, I think you know, maybe Arsenal, maybe Liverpool can go close, but I, I still wouldn't be looking beyond City for the title at the moment, even though they're obviously having a little bit of a wobble. And we're saying that that's just one game they haven't won this season. It's good to present those numbers now because this weekend at the Emirates, Arsenal, Manchester City, depending on what plays out, those numbers can certainly change. You can find them on Pinnacle, 25 years of Pinnacle, and unquestionably the best numbers on the market. Um, you were just also mentioning those teams that are kind of competing near the top. Another similar trend between Brighton and Aston Villa, all these teams playing European football now especially at this early stage of the season. The fixture list is building. Uh, we'll see what kind of knock-on effect or what effect at all it could have on some of these clubs that aren't necessarily accustomed to doing that. And on the flip side of the coin, probably no co uh, coincidence, Spurs have been so strong to start the season not having European football to play and being already knocked out of the Carabao Cup. Uh, shall we get into it? The feature five this week here, the top five games in our eyes for the weekend ahead. And then we'll go rapid fire and we'll share our best bets and our favorite plays along the way as well. To Old Trafford we go. Unfortunately for us Manchester United supporters, it's been a place of misery, a theater of nightmares in recent weeks as it's been another disastrous week for Manchester United ahead of their fixture against Brentford on the weekend. It's a 3 p.m. Saturday game featuring the 10th place team uh, facing the 14th place Brentford. Back-to-back -back home losses for Manchester United. It looked like their schedule was lightening up and they could go on a run here. Uh, not so much. A 1-0 loss to Palace, 3-2 to Galatasaray after holding uh, a 2-1 lead in that game. Three home losses out of their last four. Six losses from ten overall at all competitions to start the season for Eric Ten Hag's side. In the Premier League, it's been a case of 
failure to fire or failure to launch, however you want to call it. Only seven goals in seven games played, and they're 12th in expected goals courtesy of Understat so far. Although their games have gone over the total of two and a half in six out of eight. Uh, this, this, this run of form, as I said, Brentford at home, then they play Sheffield United away after the international window, and Copenhagen at home. Like, now these need to be framed as must-wins for Manchester United before they play Manchester City at home at the end of the month. So, a nice little run of games, potentially, but then City at the end of October. Uh, still no left back in the side. Shaw, Malasia, Reguillon remains out, although Sergio Reguillon... It depends on where you read. Could be close to returning. Uh, Lissandra Martinez taking completely away that entire side of the left, the left side of defense. They're all out. Uh, Hoyland's coming off a really impressive brace against Galatasaray, and Anthony's back to the team as well. Uh, as for Brentford, they're coming off a one-one draw at Forest, but they were a man up for the 56 minute and were unable to come away with a full three points. Seven points in the season, but their expected point total, courtesy Benderstat, is 11.33. The injuries are a concern. Rico Henry, Shada, me, Damsgaard, among the big injuries in the team. They're eighth in expected goals overall, as well as expected goals against in the Premier League. No outright win in seven in all competitions. They did beat Newport County on pens in the Carabao Cup, but overall no clean sheet in seven. Both teams of scores played in five of seven in under two and a half in five of seven. Head-to-head at Old Trafford, United beat them 1-0 after they were embarrassed away 4-0 in their second game of the season and their second game under Eric Ten Hag. These two teams have gone over two and a half in four of their last five. So how do you prognosticate Manchester United right now? Because Brentford... Their game model, it's impressive, but they're even down some really key players. Not to mention Ivan Tony's still not playing in this team. So how do you look at this game this weekend? Is there a play here to make, Andrew? I'm struggling to find one, to be honest, just because it's, it's, it's tough to call which way it's going to go. I mean, you mentioned um, Tony there. I think Brentford have, have dealt with his absence reasonably well. But the loss of Rico Henry, I think, is a really bad one for them. I mean, you know, maybe not a superstar player, but pretty important in how they play and stuff like that. And I think, as you mentioned there, I mean, their, their performances, at least statistically, have been better than their results. I mean, you look at their games against Tottenham, Palace, Bournemouth, Forest. They were all draws that, that really they should have probably won, at least based on the expected goal numbers. And then, you know, it's such a contrast, really, this game, because you've got Brentford, who are so sort of set in how they want to play and what they want to do and what their aims are and these sorts of things. And you've got United, you don't, a lot of the time, from what I see, don't really know what they're trying to do or how they're going to do it and how they're going to play and who they're going to be and things like this. I mean, you mentioned Hoyland. I thought he was good um, from the bits I saw against Galatasaray. Obviously, scored the goals and stuff like that. But, I mean, the things going on behind him, I mean, some of those goals um, yesterday, as we record this from, from Galatasaray, I mean, obviously the, the penalty was missed, but then the goal that was scored for the for the winner, I mean, you look at that and you sort of think, yeah, maybe Brentford could take advantage of that. I think I'm pretty confident United will win, but I just don't trust them at a price currently showing at minus 141 for the victory. I mean, Brentford at plus 380 is actually um, quite tempting, possibly on the... The handicap, um, Brentford plus 0.75 goals at plus 101. But I'm just, I'm just so uncertain of what's going to happen in this. I think, it, I think it's a no play. Sorry to sort of cop out on the first game we talk about, but, um, 
I mean, you, you obviously follow United closely, you know better than me, but I, I just don't know what to expect from them. And, and Brentford are, are struggling to turn their decent performances into victories. So, yeah, as, as I say, I'm not really sure which way to go on this. It's true. Um, if you're backing Manchester United this weekend, it's more based upon hope rather than what you've seen or what the numbers are telling you. They did look better against Galatasaray from an attacking perspective, but their two most key players from in attacking areas are both playing really poorly. They're both out of form. It doesn't mean they're bad players. They're just out of form in Bruno Fernandes and Marcus Rashford. <laughs> Neither of the, If either one of them, Andrew, had played how they can and how they've shown and how they should then I think they'd be in a much different spot right now. It's just in the attacking third, it's just not creating anywhere near enough chances. And then you kind of heap on the issues across the back line with, with the with the injuries. Aaron Wan-Bissaka out, Martinez out, Shaw out. That's three of your, 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 your four preferred defenders. And Rafael Varane certainly not fully fit right now as well. And the fact that you don't have that left back, I think that Rashford misses Luke Shaw creating space for him overlapping, getting forward in attack. And Amrabat is completely playing out of position right now. So it, it doesn't it doesn't look good from that perspective. I cannot touch the total in this game because I'm not sure if it's going to be like they were a couple weeks ago when you just knew they had to rein it in just a little bit and, and they came away with, with a hard-fought clean sheet. Um, who is that against? I'm, I'm just blanking out right now. Um, <laughs> But it, it was a game where they had to just basically play a little bit more defensive. They did against a, a lesser side, and, and they were managed to come away with the victory. I'm, I'm not touching the total because I think it can go in any direction. But I just look at this game, another home game for Manchester United, increased importance in this game of just coming away with a result. They just need a result some way, mm-hmm. somehow. These are big players that generally, generally rise to the top. I don't think it's rotten to the core. I think it's been exaggerated. I just think it's a team that's dealing with a lot of issues and players out of form right now. With that being said, these Brighton injuries and issues, they're, they're significant. And I think that it could really hurt this team over the short term. So I'm going to back United on the handicap at minus 0.75. Um, and that plays that pinnacle at minus 112. If United win by a goal, um, it's a half win for your play. If they win by two goals, it's an outright. They, they could win this game 2-0. They could this, win this game 2-1. It could be through. I have no idea what the score is looking like. I'm just backing United and some of their really big players to come out and perform in this game. It, 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 it's a must win, Andrew. There's no other way that I can look at this. So I'll back at them at back them at home to come away with something here. Now that makes a lot of sense, as you say. This is a, this is a good opportunity for them because as much as we can praise Brentford for a lot of their performances, they are struggling. They don't have the results behind them. So, yeah, this, this is an opportunity for United. I'm just not sure they're going to uh, to take it necessarily. Has Has Jake sent in any uh, plays or predictions or anything? He'd- he has. He doesn't have one for this game. So a no play from Jake Osgothorpe on this game. Uh, it was Burnley the 1-0 away win. Then they beat mm. Crystal Palace 3-0 at home. And and uh, maybe they're just not that good defensively. Onana's been making mistakes. It's just it hasn't looked right. Wisa, like, scares me. And, and Bamo have both played very well up top. But... 
I don't know. I, I just look at this Brentford team. I think they might have to go to Old Trafford, play a different way. They shouldn't have any fear. We'll see how it plays out. I'm backing United on the handicap in this game and keeping my fingers and toes and everything else crossed on this one. Uh, let's go to the Black Country Derby. It's uh, 15th, place, uh, 15th place Wolves taking on 5th place Aston Villa. Wolves with the upset of the season thus far. They beat City 2-1. It held City to an XG uh, expected goals against of under one. City's XG, I should say, was under one in that game. And Andrew, Andrew, you said it. No big chances for Man City created in that game as well. What's such a surprise is that this Wolves victory over the reigning champions came after a loss to Ipswich Town in the Carabao Cup. And they drew Luton Town as well before that. And no wins in four coming into this fixture. Still, Wolves haven't had a clean sheet in five. They've got over the total of two and a half in five of six as Gary O'Neill brings something different to, to this Wolves side. Uh, both teams of scorers played in five of five. First, uh, Wolves have actually been first to score in six of their last seven games. However, they do have the fifth worst expected goals at 8.93 in seven games played. As for Villa, it was Villa six, Brighton one. Uh, they smashed Brighton that, uh, last week. Even though two of the three goals in the first half, I have to say, were fortunate decisions going their way or going against Brighton, however you want to phrase it. But there's no underselling another very good performance. Uh, they did score six goals, but their XG in that game was... 1.91, so they took full advantage of what was given to them. Ollie Watkins opened his account against Chelsea the week before, scored a hat trick last week. He's on a good run, run of form. And Jacob Ramsey back in this team, back fit, and he scored as well. They do play in the Conference League at home on Thursday. 15 points, but their expected points, courtesy of Understat, is just 11, which puts them just mid-table in that category. Something to think about. Uh, eight out of nine overall, they've gone over the two and a half goal total. Both teams have scored in four or five. 18 goals in seven games is tied for the second most in the Premier League for Villa. They're ninth in XG, however, at 13.5. Uh, Diaby and Kamara, as of taping this morning on Wednesday, didn't look like they were training. So we'll put a question mark beside both of those names for both the Conference League game as well as the weekend. But we will see. Head-to-head, -head, a 1-0 win for Wolves at the Molyneux last season. 1-1 at Villa Park. Wolves haven't lost to Villa in their last five. Villa, no clean sheets in four against Wolves. And they played to under two and a half in five of seven. Are you a believer in Wolves, Andrew? Can they do it back-to-back -back weeks against a team where the fixtures are starting to build but are coming off a big win in their own right in Aston Villa? Yeah, I think there's a good chance um, Wolves can win this one. I mean, obviously, they beat Man City, as we've been saying, and also their previous home game to that when they played Liverpool, although they lost, I mean, they were a goal up. They really should have gone 2-0 up um, if Matthias Cunha had actually taken a shot rather than heading the ball against his own stomach, I think he did. Um, <laughs> you know, so they could easily be coming into this having beaten Liverpool and, and Manchester City in their last two home games. I mean, it wouldn't be a wildly different world if that were the case. I think what you notice when you look at both these teams, they're both running very close to their expected goals. I mean, Wolves have scored eight goals from 8.1 XG, conceded 13 from 12.6. And the same is true for, for Villa's defence. The exception is the attack running hot. And, and as you said, I mean, most of that came, I think, last weekend when they scored six from, from 1.7 XG or, or whatever the, the figure was. 
So while I think Wolves um, stand a good chance, particularly as we say with with Villa playing on Thursday, rather than um, look at the one x two, I'm probably thinking goals here. Um, the line is at over two point seven five, which you can get at plus one o three. I think both teams carry a pretty decent threat. Wolves, particularly when they're at home with uh, with Pedro Neto, neither is the strongest defensively. So um, while I think Wolves can can probably edge it, despite Villa being the favourites. Um, I think the play for me, as I say, is, is the goals because I think there should be a few in this one. All right. You like the goals. Jake doesn't have a play for this game as well. I'm going to keep this very simple here. I'm backing the better side. And I think that's Aston Villa. And I understand that they're playing. I understand that on Thursday, I understand that there's questions about Kamara and Diaby. But it looks like Leon Bailey is back fit and available. Uh, Jacob Ramsey back in the team. He's such a difference maker in this group. They do have a little bit of depth, and I don't think the Conference League game will be a big concern um, midweek as well. So Aston Villa to win at a plus number? Give me that, because I think that Aston Villa are absolutely legit. Their game model is getting better week in, week out under Unai Emery. He's such an impressive manager for me. So at plus 114, that's just a number I can't turn down. I said it like Wolves are being capitalizing on the chances that they're that they've been given, but their XG still isn't great. They're still not creating a whole lot. Usually, it's against the run of play here. So I, I think that Villa can go on and, and win this one outright, and that's what I'm backing in this game. Just a better team at a, at a decent number at plus one fourteen. So, any arguments there? Or shall we move? No, on? as I say, I mean I. I... I think Wolves might might have enough to, to win it, but I mean, I'm not sort of wedded to that. And um, yeah, as you say, I mean, there's no question Villa are the better team. So um, it wouldn't be a surprise if they if they did win. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure enough. So I'm sticking with goals. Yeah, I'm, I'm, imp- I'm impressed with Gary O'Neill. Um, I had Wolves uh, as a relegation side to start the season. I'm slowly coming around. I'm, I'm not sure if they have the squad depth or the quality um, but certainly I do rate the manager and I think he's doing really well with what he has uh, thus far this season. Uh, this game should be an absolute cracker. 2 p.m. on Sunday, 6th place Brighton hosting 4th place Liverpool at the Amex. We're hoping that VAR has its head on straight for this one because this one has the potential for goals aplenty. Brighton coming off the 6-1 loss to Villa. Uh, Deserby actually... He came out and took the blame. I guess that's what managers do. But he claims his team is not necessarily ready for the number of fixtures that they're facing. It's an interesting predicament because you think that there's enough depth in this team and you know players that can come in and out for one another that they could be able to handle it. They do play at Marseille on Thursday as well. That is a big game for a club like Brighton. Then Liverpool at home back-to-back should be an interesting week. Still, they do have 19 goals in seven Premier League games, and they're 5-0-2 on the season. It's a very good start, despite the embarrassing loss last weekend. They've gone over 2.5 and and 8 of 9. Both teams have scored in 9 of 10. Their expected goals is only behind Newcastle and Liverpool on the season. Still no clean sheets. They play wide open at times. And after the international break, it's worthwhile to mention they do play City away and Ajax at home. So this is a very difficult run for them. Liverpool, 
It's Vargate losing 2-1 to Spurs. No need to readdress it. No need to replay the match. Just go out and win this weekend against Brighton and we can move on from it. It was 90 plus 6, a Matip own goal after Jones and Jota were sent off and obviously the Diaz goal not given. It's her first loss on the season. Still a very good start for Liverpool. And they're playing really well at 5-1-1. One, one. Their six wins in a row was snapped. They do not have a clean sheet in five. They played over two and a half in their last eight games. And both teams to score has played in five straight as well. Alexander Arnold is very much back. He came on as a substitute in that game against Spurs on the week on, on the weekend. They do play Europa League at home on Thursday as well. Uh, Gakpo looks to be out as well alongside the suspended Jones and Jota for this one. Head to head, it was three three at Anfield last season. It was a three nil Brighton home win in the Premier League, and the goals won in the FA Cup two one last season as well as Liverpool season was kind of going down, and Brighton's was really flourishing at the end of the season. Uh, Bright no losses in three against Liverpool. Liverpool no clean sheet in their last three, and they've gone over two and a half in four of five. We're expecting goals. The goal total line as of right now is three and a half on Pinnacle. Is there a number that could be put out there, Andrew, that you're not going to touch? Because I, I think when these two teams play, you naturally turn to the goal total. If Liverpool's playing at home, then you're obviously going to back Liverpool at Anfield. So what do you make of the markets and what they have this game down as at present time? Well, the obvious assumption would be to go for, for goals. Um, every Brighton game this season has had both teams scoring in over 2.5 goals. Um, Liverpool are joined second in that table. It's happened in five of their seven. But when you look at it, that's priced at minus 181 for both teams to score in over 2.5. So trying to look for something with a bit more um, value for that. And with the goal line set at um, over 3.5, this may be insanity, but I'm actually going to take the under 3.5 at minus 103. And I'm going to explain why. I haven't just pulled that out of the sky. Not just because well of the... Done. Let's go. Not just because of the small price for the uh, for the both teams to score in over 2.5. My, my thinking is to go on the unders. Um, this is basically Liverpool's... This is Liverpool's only away match um, after a Europa League game. So it's their toughest game from that perspective. And obviously, with their absentees, Curtis Jones, uh, Cody Gakpo, Diogo Jota, they may struggle to score, uh, or at least score a lot of goals. And if you look at Liverpool's defence, the expected goals, it's basically the same as last season when it was not very good at all. Um, they were um, allowing 1.34 expected goals against per game. This season, it's 1.33. But the interesting thing there is Liverpool have had four red cards this season. And if you look at their defence when they've had, for the time when they've had 11 men on the pitch, they're only allowing 0.87 expected goals per 90 minutes, which is basically title challenging form. So I think because of that, and with Brighton being away in Marseille on Thursday night, um, as we know, I think there's a chance it'll actually be a low scoring game. So I think taking the unders 3.5 at minus 103 is the way to go. If you look at um, the last four games at the Amex, none of the, between the two teams, I should say, none of them have gone over 3.5 goals. Um, and three of the four before last season were under 2.5 goals. So I think under 3.5 goals, with Liverpool having a strong defence as long as they can keep 11 on the pitch, a couple of tired teams, a couple of absentees, things like that. I'm going to take the under and it's probably going to bite me, but I, I just, I can see it. So that's, that's my play. Well done. Um, 
it, it's solid rationale. It's 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 decent logic. Um, Jake's looking at things the other way. Jake is playing two units on over three point two five goals at minus one thirty seven. So not getting much juice, but heavily investing in there being goals in this game. I just look at the way that Brighton play, and they're wide open at times at the back. And this is the way that Deserby wants to play. And I understand playing away from home, but if, 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 you're, if you're playing well back in Ferguson, you can come back with Pedro and Fatih. And there's just so many different players that can rotate this side. And other than James Milner... Uh, the former Liverpool man, and then Cisco, who's 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 obviously he's a long-term absentee. They're pretty fit right now. Like they, they have they have most of their their top players still available. And and I'm not buying what Deserby's playing here. I think that some of the young players need to learn how to play more regular fixtures. But I think they're certainly capable of that. I have two plays, both for a unit in this game. I'm going to go Brighton over their goal total at 1.5 at minus 106. Just because I th- look, Brighton scored three against Newcastle at home. I'm not sure if Newcastle's conceded a goal since that time, by the way. But they put three past Newcastle. They've scored in every game at home. And their XG is like big in each and every one of these games. I, I still want to test this Liverpool back line. I think you're right. Oftentimes when you go down a man, the four sending offs have certainly had an impact on Liverpool early in the season. But I think that sometimes when you go a man down, you, you play a little bit more secure. You play a little bit more safe. You're much more aware. I think this game can be a little bit wide open. And I'm going to play it over the total. I'm not going to go Jake's 3.25. I'll just hope that there's four goals in this game. Just a full unit at over the total at 3.5 at minus 109 and hope that our head-to-head goes in my direction here, Andrew. It's just, I, yeah, this game could very well end up 2-1. It, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever, but sometimes with this Brighton side, especially if they're a little bit leggy coming off the Thursday, it, it, it could be a little bit more wide open uh, than usual. They're a regular over team. Liverpool, a regular over team. Let's go the overs. I can't go any of I'm not as brave as you, let's put it that way. You know Liverpool more than most, and are they capable of, of, of setting you know setting things up to in a position where they just you know set up shop and, and play on the counter against Brighton and, and, and put themselves in a position not to concede? Even if they do play on the counter, I still think, okay, you have Diaz and Salah and like there's still enough players that can do damage against this Brighton side who, again, they play so expansive. Like Their fullbacks are so wide. Their center backs are wide. There's those gaps. And I just see Mo Salah just being able to take full advantage of that as well. Yeah, I mean, quite possibly. I mean, the thing is as well, because the line's so high, it could be, you know, like you say, 2-1. Um, yeah. My bet would be fine. Or it could be, you know, 3-0 Liverpool if they have a good day out and, and Brighton aren't at it after their game in in Marseille, I just think the line is so high um, in light of the, you know, Liverpool's decent defence this season, again, with 11 men has to be emphasised, that I think it's, that it's worth a try. I think, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see. I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't be saying definitely don't back the, the overs because it's very common for these teams to have a lot of goals in their games. But I'm just, I'm just I don't know, something tells me this one's going low. We'll see. I, I, I know that. Arsenal City, I mean, that's a match of the weekend, but it's this game is the one that I, I've circled and I just have to see the way that it, it plays out. Brighton and Liverpool from the Amex. 
Another really good game, 7th place West Ham taking on 8th place Newcastle, also Sunday at 2 p.m. West Ham coming off a 2-0 victory over Sheffield United, a 3.2 XG. Jared Bowen is on spectacular form, scored again. Uh, he has five goals and an assist in seven Premier League games already. That's back-to-back clean sheets. They did have one, and I'm talking all competition, did have one against Lincoln City as well in the Carabao Cup. But they didn't keep a clean sheet in their 10 in all competitions dating back to last season before that. They played to over 2.5 and 6 of 8. Both teams to score in 7 of 9. First to score in 7 of 9 in all competitions. Their expected goals against is third worst in the Premier League, which is a bit of a surprise at 15.72, but they've only conceded 10 goals thus far. They play in the Europa League on Thursday in Germany at Freiburg. Uh, Jared Bowen should be okay. He took a bit of a knock to his foot. Ankle might not play Thursday, but sounds like he'll be okay um, for the new Newcastle fixture. As for Newcastle, also coming off a 2-0 win, uh, came over Burnley and XG over three in that game as well. A great goal by Miguel Almiron and Isak scored on a penalty. They've now won three in a row, unbeaten in five, heading into Wednesday's massive home fixture at St. James's Park against PSG in the Champions League. Five clean sheets in a row heading into that game as well. After a 1-0 win over City in the Carabao Cup, we should mention that as well the previous midweek. They played under 2.5 in 4 of 5. They do have the second most goals now in the Premier League with 18. The best expected goals and the second best expected goals against. However, some injuries. Callum Wilson missed back-to-back games with hamstring tightness. He's a question mark. Joe Linton came off four minutes after coming on on the weekend with a hamstring issue. Late fitness checks on both of them. Sven Botman uh, remains out. And the big one, Anthony Gordon suspended for this upcoming game as well. Five yellow cards already. Barnes and Willick more longer-term absentees. Head-to-head, it was West Ham 1, Newcastle 5 in this fixture last season. Although they played to a 1-1 draw, West Ham somehow got there last season at St. James's Park. West Ham no clean sheet in this fixture in 9. Newcastle no clean sheet in 5. Both teams' scores played in 5 of 5. I'm looking at that PSG game Wednesday, Andrew. And I can't get it out of my head because it's going to be emotional. It's a clear focus for this club. How do they respond against a good West Ham side going away from home on the weekend? Yeah, it's hard to know, isn't it? It's a shame we're not recording this after that PSG game in a way. Because I think we'll, you know, we'll learn quite a lot about Newcastle. As you say, it's an enormous occasion for them. And if they win, I mean, their you know confidence will be sky high if they can beat PSG tonight as we record this. But obviously, we we don't yet know um, what's going to happen there. I mean, if you look at the data for this season, as limited as it is at this point. It suggests that backing Newcastle to win in this one is basically that should be the play of the, the week. Um, at plus 115 looks very good value because, um, they're just the stronger team. And when you look at last season for a bit more of a bigger sample, I mean, they were, um, unbeaten on the road against teams who finished below eighth. West Ham have improved since last season, but I don't think we'd be too surprised if they finished below eighth. And similarly, West Ham had one home win against teams that finished in the top nine. And obviously, Newcastle should be in that group again this season. Um, quite a strange history between the teams. I was having a look. The last six times they've played in London, the games have either had exactly two goals or at least five. There's been three examples of each. So I'm sort of thinking it might be an under 2.75 goals kind of game at minus 104. 
Um, but I think I'm willing to go for, for Newcastle win at plus 115. As I say, the data says they should be much shorter price than that. And obviously, you know, we'll see what happens tonight. But um, if they get a decent result tonight, then they can head into this in good spirits. And I think they're capable of winning, maybe not 5-1 like it was last season, but, but doing enough to get the win. All right. Uh, Jake likes under 2.75 goals, mm. a full unit at minus 104. I'm kind of following his mindset on this one. Not completely going against you, but my play will be contradictory here. That Newcastle PSG game with a team that's a little bit depleted. I know Tenali's been dealing with some issues as well. Makes me a little bit nervous what that emotional toll will take midweek and what it will look like coming out on the weekend. And I don't think that West Ham's a team... I think they're good enough that if you go there and you're not fully fit or focused or whatever you want to call it, that they can come away with something. I do think that this game is going to be tight. You're right. It could very well go in Newcastle's favor. But if you're going to give me plus money, West Ham on the handicap at plus 0.25, I'm going to take it. So if it's a draw, um, it's a half win. Uh for, for for West Ham, backing the home side in this game, obviously if they lose, um, you lose as well. So maybe I'm focused too much on this. I think this is a completely new experience uh, for Newcastle. I don't think they were great last weekend. They were gifted that pen against Burnley. I had Burnley on the um, plus 1.5 handicap. It, Newcastle got the better of me in that game. I'm still angry about it today but but let's hope that backing the home side in West Ham in this one um, will pay off on the handicap a full unit play plus 0.25 at plus 104 anything else on this am I obsessing too much about what it might take midweek at home against PSG is one of those spots based on context I'm making the West Ham play because I agree with you I think the Newcastle is a better side the injuries in, in that game have just kind of taken me off backing them in this one. Yeah, I mean, I suppose, obviously, it's nowhere near the same sort of sense of, of playing PSG, but West Ham are away at Freiburg on Thursday night. So um, Newcastle have an extra day of rest, tough away game for West Ham. You know, that could factor into it as well. But um, as I said, we'll, we'll probably know a lot more this time tomorrow when the, the PSG game has happened and we'll see what state they're in after that, I guess. And Jared Bowen, I trust. So let's keep that going. Um, let's dig into the fixture of the weekend. It's third place Arsenal taking on top of the table Manchester City. The game goes 4.30 local time on Sunday afternoon. Arsenal, busy week with good and bad news. They smashed Bournemouth 4-0 away on the weekend with a 4.07 expected goals. They beat Brentford away 1-0 in the Carabao Cup before that. But, and this is where things take a turn for the worse, lost 2-1 at Long in the Champions League and lost Saka in the process. And it doesn't look good according to Mikel Arteta. We'll see what his status is, both for the short and long term in due time. No losses in the Premier League for Arsenal, 5-2-0. They only conceded six goals, which is second best, and they're the third best expected goals against in the Premier League. They've gone over two and a half in four of five and been the first to score in six in a row. Martinelli is close to returning. We'll see if this weekend is too soon or whether he can get back into the side. Leandro Trossard has been playing some decent football in his absence. 
As for Man City, the shock 2-1 loss at Wolves last weekend, 23 shots, 8 on target, but an XG less than 1. Alvarez with the goal. They certainly missed Rodri, didn't they? And they're going to miss him again after he plays in the Champions League at Leipzig midweek. He's going to go back to Spain and just hang out for a while. So no Rodri again this weekend. Uh, Vardial didn't play last weekend as well for Manchester City. Back-to-back losses, um, both in the Carabao Cup to Newcastle, then Wolves, after eight wins in a row uh, at Arsenal. Um They've. This is a team that's coming into it that's gone over two and a half of five of seven. Both teams have scored in five of seven, but somehow City being the first to concede in four of five, which is downright bizarre. They have the best expected goals against in the Premier League at 5.09, and they're still the best team in the division and in terms of expected points as well. Silva and Stones look to be just about back, ready to return for the City side, which makes them that much better of a team uh, in due course. Head-to-head, 3-1 City won at the Emirates last season, 4-1 at home. Uh, a home win for City as well. But Arsenal won the Community Shield in penalties after they played to a 1-1 result after 90 minutes. Arsenal no clean sheet in nine against City. Both teams to score has played in four of five. A big spot for Arsenal, Andrew. Um, they can right the wrongs of last season, but this Saka injury looming, it really kind of dampens the expectation a little bit coming into this game. We're not sure how City fared in the Champions League midweek, uh, but City are the favorite to go on and win this game. What do you what do you make of the markets here? Depending on who you back, I mean, th- th- there's some pretty good numbers that are available on Pinnacle. Which one are you backing, if any? Well, I think um, this is a game I've, I've got to go for both teams to score and over 2.5 goals because that's available at plus 122 at the moment. I mean, that, that has been the outcome in 17 of Arsenal's 23 home league games since the start of last season. So, you know, it, it's occurred in 75% of their matches, which obviously doesn't mean it's going to happen here automatically, but that's a pretty good chance to get a, to get a plus 122 price. I mean, if you look at the, the XG data, obviously that suggests Man City should win. If you look at last season, this season, everything says that Manchester City is a value play at plus 149 to win. But of course, the data doesn't know about the, the absences. And that's, that's the big thing here. I mean, mentioned briefly earlier the importance of Rodri. I mean, there's a, there's a, a metric on FB ref, which is, um, plus or minus. It looks at, how a team's expected goals and actual goals are when a player plays and then when they're not playing and what the difference is between the two. And obviously football's too complex. You can't sort of assign everything to a player. But the fact remains that in terms of this plus or minus, a team being better when a team, when a person plays or doesn't, Rodri has been in the top 10 players in the Premier League for four of the last five seasons for this. And even Kevin De Bruyne, as great as he is, has not been in the top 10 as often as Rodri. Like Manchester City are just a markedly better team when he plays and they're an incredibly good team anyway. So his absence undoubtedly gives Arsenal more of a chance than they would normally have had. But then, as you say, it's looking like, you know, Saka's going to be missing for them. So it makes the game itself, the the 1x2, very difficult to call. So I'm just going to stick with sort of goals. Both teams score over 2.5 at plus 122, because I think both teams will score and then it only takes one more and you're, and you're in business. So, um, yeah, I, 
I, I'm still, I still favor City, but um, yeah, I think that's the way to go. Arsenal have been very good at home. Uh, we should add in, in in recent vintage, the Saka one for me, it, it, it's a tough one. And City are too good to continue to lose. By the way, Jake likes one unit over two and a half goals at minus one sixteen. I'm going to actually stay away from the total here and make a play. It's going to be the good old just back the better team in this one. And City on the handicap is still coming in at a plus number. At plus mm-hmm. 114, City at minus 0.25. If it ends in a draw, it's a half loss. So a little bit of insurance for your bet. I'm going to make a full unit play on this. I think that the way to cover off Rodri's absence is if Stones comes back, plays a few minutes against Leipzig, and we'll see if he does that Wednesday, and he's that player that's so adaptable, can step up from the back four and just kind of sit there um, as kind of that holding midfielder, that shield. But more important than the shield, just to start the build. Like his distribution is what makes him so good when he steps up and plays in that kind of role. So I think the tactics, Pep might make a little bit of a shift heading into this one, which might ask some different questions of Arsenal. I think the four goals away at Bournemouth, I think it flattered Arsenal, to be honest with you. Two of the goals were pens in that game, and and, and they're relatively soft for me. They were pens, certainly, but just soft. And I just think that City are the better side. And when this push has come to shove in the Premier League, City have got the better of, of, of Arsenal. It's just protege versus master. Well, Pep is still the master here. And at plus 114 with the little insurance baked in, um, I like the City play at minus 0.25 at plus 114. Just, you know, if we all think that City are going to go on and win the title, they certainly don't lose a game like this, do they? I, I I just can't envision a case where they go on and lose this game, Andrew. So that's kind of part of what's you know dictating my play in this one. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, lengthy lengthy streaks of form or whatever have to end eventually. But I think Manchester City have won the last fifteen league meetings, something like that. So obviously they're not going. Eventually there'll come a time where they don't. But they've just been so dominant against Arsenal, even better versions of Arsenal, that. Um, yeah. You know, you, you, you have to go with them. And um, I, did, I meant to say earlier when we were talking about last week and I forgot, yeah, Arsenal did score four goals, but uh, as you say, two of them were penalties. I had a look. Only seven teams in the Premier League got more than two away penalties in the whole of last season and Arsenal got two in one game. And nobody got more than four um, in the whole season away from home and Arsenal got two in one game. So, um, yeah, obviously that, that did flatter them a bit. So, um, yeah, I think... Uh, I think we all think City probably, but um, I'm just going to, I'm going to take the goals. Brilliant. Uh, Let's go rapid fire for the rest. 17th place Luton Town. Take it on second place Spurs. Do you have a play in this game? Not massively. Um, As I mentioned earlier, I think Tottenham weren't actually that great against um, Liverpool, even though they got the job done in the end. I mean, they've, they've conceded two goals against likely bottom half sides in Brentford and Burnley on the road. Um, so I was maybe thinking both teams to score and Tottenham to win, which was plus 189 when I looked this morning. Um, but I, d- I don't really have a strong play. I'm not really sure how. I mean, I think Tottenham will win, obviously, but th- the prices aren't really uh, too enticing. Luton Town played on Tuesday against Burnley. Heartbreak for them. They equalized uh, in the 84th and then conceded the 85th to Burnley. They lost that game at home. Luton Town's been scoring, but I don't think they score in this game. I think it's going to be a little bit of a market correction because 
I, I just don't see there being a whole lot of attacking prowess, prowess in this game. It's a good game for Spurs to come out and show that they can defend a little bit. I think that they 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 have more than enough in attack. It's it's at the back. I, I don't think they've been poor. They just conceded an odd goal. So my bet is both teams to score no and Spurs to win at plus 174. I think Spurs can go there. They've had a couple of days off more you know, a couple days more off than Luton Town have Spurs at that kind of number to come away with a clean sheet and a win in this game I, I think it's a number that I can back uh, a full unit play there 13th place Fulham against 20th place Sheffield United I should say I have no bet for this game so the floor is yours Andrew I was actually um, tempted by Sheffield United on the handicap plus 0.75 at plus 108 um, because Fulham recently played Luton at home and although they won the game 1-0, Luton actually edged the expected goals by 0.1. Um, it, it's strange season in a way from, from Fulham because they're, they're joint second bottom in the both teams to score an over 2.5 goals table, which as we know, or regular listeners will know as well, I mean, you know, Regular play last season was Fulham and, and the overs and stuff like that, but um, it uh, it hasn't really happened. But with Sheffield United, as I say, you know they led in stoppage time at um, Spurs. They won both meetings of these teams to nil a couple of years ago. They've been more competitive on the road than they have at home. So uh, I am tempted by them on the handicap, as I say, plus zero point seven five goals at plus one hundred eight because I don't think Fulham are that good. Problem being, Sheffield United aren't that good either. But that's what I'm considering, but I'm not sort of wedded to it. I don't trust either. Uh, Jake is actually making a one and a half unit play on the under two and a Mm. half in this game at minus 107. I'm assuming that's because Fulham are in the bottom four in expected goals and Sheffield United second worst in that category as well. So he likes the under in this game. And I should mention for the Spur- Luton Town Spurs, uh, Jake is making a full unit play. Spurs, uh, is it minus 1.25 on the Asian handicap at plus 105. So he's backing Spurs uh, to win this one uh, with relative ease as well. Uh, Burnley, 18th place. They're facing 11th place Chelsea coming off a win and a game where they actually scored not one but two goals. Did Chelsea keep it rolling at Turf Moor? Well, it's sort of similar to what we were saying about Manchester United. You just don't really know what you're going to get from, from Chelsea. I mean, what I will say is they've won all three of their away games on the expected goals, at least. All of them by exactly 0.6 xG. Um, Burnley have lost all their four home games, but they are, have been sort of growing in competitiveness with each game. The, the margins have been getting narrower. Possibly should have got something against Manchester United. I'm not sure what you think about that, but um, obviously there, there wasn't too much for either team in that game. But I mean, I think my general rule at the moment is just to avoid Chelsea because you can't um, predict them um, very easily at all. The, the one that I was sort of looking at under 2.75 goals at minus 118, you know, Chelsea scored twice in a minute you know, the other night against Fulham, but but clearly they're very erratic in front of goals. So it wouldn't surprise me if this was something like 2-0 Chelsea and they, and they got the job done. So uh, if I was going anything, probably take the unders. No play for Jake. I like Chelsea to win to nil at plus 202. 
Um, it's an Andrew Beasley special here because I think that I'm piling on and trying to get a little bit of a better number. Chelsea and Manchester City are the only two teams this season um, in, w- with data co- uh, provided by Understat to win the expected goals battle in every game. So although Chilwell's out and Reese James is suspended again this weekend, I th- they are built on a solid back line. They've gone under two and a half total in five of their last five. Like defensively is not the problem. Their goalkeeper is not the problem. It's their inability at times to score goals. Jackson comes back in and Chelsea don't lose to Burnley. Like Burnley don't have a clean sheet against Chelsea in their last 17 games. And Chelsea haven't lost to Burnley in nine. So based on all that, Chelsea to nil, coming away with a one nil hard fought victory at Turf Moor. Uh, that's my bet at plus 202, and let's hope that that plays out. Everton, 16th place, taking on 19th place. Bournemouth, do you have a play in this game? Not particularly. I was maybe looking at the over 2.5 goals, which was minus 116 when I looked earlier. But again, you don't really know what to expect from, from Everton. I mean, they've had 7.2 expected goals at home this season, and they've scored once. Um, obviously, Bournemouth have been struggling more than I think a lot of people thought they would. I think Andoni Iraola hasn't sort of got them going quite as much as, as people probably assumed that he would. Um, so, yeah, I'm not really sure where to go with this. If anything, perhaps the uh, the overs on the goals because Everton are due to score several goals against somebody and it could easily be Bournemouth. But no, I mean, I, I, I don't have too strong a feeling for this game. That's my play over two and a half at minus 118. This is strictly on the data because as you alluded to, Andrew, Everton are seventh in expected goals at 14.4, yet they've only scored six. That's a difference of 8.4. So based on the, the data, they're unlucky in front of goal and just haven't been rewarded for some of the work that they're actually putting in. And against head to head against Bournemouth, they've got over two and a half goals in eight out of their last 10 meetings. So... Um, no Tyler Adams, you know, a top defensive midfielder, you know, he's out again for Bournemouth. So I think there could be some goals in this game, potentially both ways as Everton continue to leak really cheap goals in the back, no clean sheet in nine. So let's go over two and a half at minus 118. I, I actually really like that bet this weekend. And finally, ninth place, ninth place, Crystal Palace taking on 12th place, Nottingham Forest. Uh, bring us home. What do you have here, Andrew? Uh, I'm going to take Forrest on the handicap for this one, plus 0.25 at um, minus 102. Um, I love, you know, with Crystal Palace and the, the Roy Hodgson algorithm, um, you look at their results this season, one lost drawn, one lost drawn, and then one last week. So they're obviously going to lose. That's, you know, you can't argue <laughs> with, with that as, as science. But in all seriousness, when you look at um, Forrest on the road this season, they edge the expected goals at Arsenal. They went 2-0 up at United. All right, they lost in the end, but obviously they started well. They won at Chelsea. They only lost 2-0 at Manchester City, having lost 6-0, I think it was, the season before. There was the Rodri red card factor in that. But, you know, they've been doing reasonably well away from home in in far tougher games than against Crystal Palace. Um, So I think, yeah, uh, minus 102 on the handicap up plus 25. I'll have a unit on that, I think. Uh, Jake likes a full unit on Palace at minus 0.25 on the Asian handicap at minus 119. But Andrew, I have the exact same play as you uh, for a full unit. Uh, Forrest at plus 2.5 at minus 102. Look, 
This this injury to Aze, he's going to be out for weeks with a hamstring injury. No Aze, no Elisi. Elisi, they're, they're, they're without their two best players. And Eduard didn't play last weekend as well. He's missed some games. Is he fit enough to come in? And how much can he play? I do have some questions about Palace. And the way they played against Manchester United, although it was admirable, they only had 22% possession and 66% percent pass completion they really held on and they defended for dear life it's a different situation i think playing at home and Forrest has had good recent success against palace as well they haven't lost in their last six games so i think that you and i are on the right side of the equation here some injuries to palace Forrest's form hasn't been bad they've been playing much more competitive football this season and if it ends in a draw it's a half win i'll still take it at near even money so um, yeah, so we end with back-to-back games that we're seeing the world through similar lenses. Do you have a favorite play or a best bet this week, Andrew? Um, let me just remind myself what's going on. Well, it's not going to be that bright in Liverpool Londres, <laughs> is it? Um, I, th- I think possibly both teams to score and over 2.5 in the um, Arsenal-Man City game does look good at that price because... As we say, it happens most weeks when Arsenal play at home, and um, obviously the goal threat on both sides is uh, is impressive. So, yeah, I think that's that's probably my play of the week. Uh, I'm drinking the Big Ange Kool Aid with Spurs. Uh, both teams to score no Spurs win at plus one seventy four against Luton Town. As you know, you can find all of the best in market lines on. Pinnacle, we provide our data is provided by Understat as well. If you want to see some of the numbers that we speak about on a regular basis as well, thanks for stepping up and stepping in for this podcast today, Andrew. Where can people follow along with your regular plays and impeccable insight when it comes to the Premier League? Uh, yeah, well, I'm at base June to Red on Twitter, so anything I write, all the tips and everything gets shared on there. So uh, if people follow me there, they can see what I've been writing about and what I've been tipping at Gareth Wheelers, where you can find me and all of our plays each and every week are posted at Pinnacle. Follow along and share your plays as well across our social channels. Andrew, top man, enjoy the game week. Enjoy the international window as well. And we'll do this again soon. Thank you. Uh, You're welcome. Always happy to uh, step in when Jake's got enough money from his bets to pay for, uh, for another holiday, you know? Yes, he's been tailing us. That's how he gets it. So uh, Jake will be back after the international window, and so will we. On behalf of everyone at Pinnacle, I am Gareth Wheeler. Good luck with your bet this bets this week, and we'll see you next time.